It is our winter forecast episode of the Something in the Air podcast. I'm meteorologist Joe Martucci here. You know, September had plenty of local summer days here, but once the calendar flipped to October, that went away in a hurry here. And now we're staring down November. And you know what that means. Winter is not too far around the corner. As we do every year, we bring on a friend of the show, Dr. Judah Cohen, Director of Seasonal Forecasting at AER in Massachusetts to talk all about his unique style of winter forecasting. And yes, if you wait till the end, we will talk about that winter forecast itself in South Jersey. Let's take it away to Dr. Judah Cohen. Well, fall is in the air, winter is around the corner, and that means we can only have one guest on the Something in the Air podcast here. We're with Dr. Judah Cohen, Director of Seasonal Forecasting at AER in Massachusetts. Uh, Dr. Cohen, Judah, it is great to be with you again, my friend. All right, it's good. I'm glad, you know, it's always a pleasure. I'm glad to, to be, the guys invited me back and... Uh... Yeah, well, you know, listen, I I love snow, so we had to have you back this year because last winter was awesome for us. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We had the snowiest January on record at Atlantic City International Airport. Uh, that was 33.2 inches of snow. And, uh, you know, I know you didn't get as much over there in the uh, Boston area, but I thank you for bringing the snow our way. Well, we did pretty well. We are close to about five, 55 inches in total for the whole uh, winter. Right. So well, you know, it's a little different. You know, we <laughs> average like 16 inches, 17 inches. We, bo- we beat Worcester, I think, for the first time ever or something like that. Wow. That, that's interesting because for people, you know, to explain the Massachusetts geography, Worcester is a little further inland and more elevated. That's right. Um, so it's got you a would good, think that they would get a thousand feet. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it gets pretty high up there. Um, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk um, about, you know, how you're doing. We're going to talk about what goes into winter forecasting, some things you're thinking about. And, um, you know, we'll finish on off with the winter forecast for us here in New Jersey. Um, so let's start off with your work. Right. And, and we say this every year when we're with you. Um, but, you know, the one thing that, that you're most known for is research about correlating October's weather conditions in different parts of the globe to what could happen here in, you know, the Northeastern United States. Um, I know, and I know your research has evolved over time on this. So just tell us where we're at with that research right now. Yeah. So I, you know, I continue to explore the relationship between uh, the thing that I'm best known for is uh, Siberian or Eurasian snow cover extent. Uh, so the acronym STE for those of us, uh, in the jargon, but um, yeah, yeah f- that the relationship between so October snow cover extent uh, across Siberia, or it's it's mostly Siberia, but all of Eurasia, but it's really really in Siberia in October, and uh, the polar vortex, the behavior of the polar vortex, but and and but ultimately, what's what's important is our weather. So the temperature is mo- it has a strong relationship with temperature than precipitation, right. actually. So. You know, will we have a cold or mild winter in the eastern U.S.? So, the, you know, the first predictor I'm looking at is uh, that snow cover extent in the month of October. Sure. And and without giving too much of the winter forecast away now, how are we looking with that snow cover extent in Siberia this month? Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> You know, the, the train went off the rails on this one. I, you know, <laughs> started out like record high pretty much or, you know, certainly over the past 15 years or so. 
and it has just flatlined. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, <laughs> you know, got me all excited. Right. And then it just just went off a cliff. Mm. So. Okay. So <laughs> is it fair to say we might be in uncharted territory with uh, with this this year? Uh, yeah, we're uncharted. You know, I, I you know I also have an alternate index that's called the snow advanced index, which kind of takes you know how fast the snow advanced. So. Like if you had a very slow start and a very fast finish, that would that would you know be a very big number for this with this what I call the SAI, the Snow Advance Index. And this is like gone in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> so this is neg- you know it's in as far as in the tank as it's ever been. Because um, yeah, basically it started off high and it's just <laughs> there's no growth. Uh, right. So- so, so places have melted back. I think we're like definitely in uncharted territory. Uncharted territory. All right. So, well, we'll get into what that means in a little bit. There's also some other uncharted territory with our weather conditions as well. We'll talk about it in a sec. I just want to go through last year real quick. Yeah. Um, I did say that January was awfully snowy for us here in New Jersey, but that was kind of it. Once the end of January happened, it was pretty, you know, quiet for February and March. Take us through what what we were seeing in October with that Siberian snow cover. And then just real quick, how the polar vortex interacted with us during the winter. Yes, I mean, I I do say it was like a stealthy winter last year. Kind of, you know, didn't have the big flashy headlines, but it was pretty cold for the for the for the country. I mean, it started pretty mild overall. And I think a lot of the winters are like that. I mean, it's hard to get a cold December. Uh, yeah. So um, we, you know, but the the kind of the trend has been, you know, mild, a really mild star. You know, those on weather Twitter like to use, you know, blowtorch. Yes. <laughs> you know, to to describe those mild patterns in the winter, and I certainly started off blowtorchy. But then, you know, the end of December, the signs were there that uh, you know the the pattern was changing. The polar vortex was going to get more involved, so it was quite strong early on. And then, you know, it's, uh, it started stretching. And once it started stretching, it, it just couldn't stop. I think I counted maybe seven stretches in a row. Um, not, none of them were very large, you know, so you could have, I mean, that in general, these polar vortex stretches or elongations so the polar vortex kind of takes on, acts like a taffy or, you know, rubber band, it kind of pulls apart, but stays, you know, um, stays whole. Um, you know, kind of the, it, you know, doesn't split into pieces like sometimes can happen in the most dramatic polar vortex disruptions. Right. Um, right. And, and then it snaps back. So those polar vortex disruptions tend to be short in duration. But what's important for the for the U.S., they, they can have very high impact. You know, where the cold is focused can differ. So, I mean, so in January, the cold, you know, and the snow was focused here along these coasts. But then it started shifting further and further west. Uh, so we were kind of got into a milder pattern. But the, the stretching was going on and, and, you know, it was still we were still in a cold pattern for the country. But where the cold was, you know, kind of concentrated was 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 different. Yeah. And, you know, what? I should, you know, let's back up a little bit and talk about, well, what is the polar vortex? Right. So explain yeah. to us what the polar vortex is and then explain that that difference again between a stretching polar vortex event and a polar vortex split okay yeah so the polar vortex is an area of low pressure sits right over the north pole it's pretty high in the atmosphere uh in the, you know, so it's in the stratosphere you know, maybe five to 15 miles above the earth's surface and like 
uh, all low pressures from a you know hurricane to a snowstorm to the polar vortex, there's a counterclockwise circulation around it. So you tend to have this flow of air west to east because it's sitting typically right on the North Pole. And you have this fast flowing ribbon of river air that uh, kind of circumnavigates or uh, you know, circulates around the center of the polar vortex. And in its normal state, it's pretty strong and stable. So the air is kind of, uni- it's you know, only in one directional, one direction, unidirectional from west to east. Um, and I like to like give the analogy of a spinning top so when this polar vortex, you know, is this, you know, sh- and when it's spinning top is kind of in this fast, quiet rotation, it just sits in place and spins quickly and keeps everything kind of close to the center there. The same thing happened with the polar vortex. You know, this it's fast spinning, you know, uh, kind of ribbon or river air, and it kind of keeps the cold air locked up over the Arctic region. And then on this, you know, on the southern side of that, you know, kind of jet or river, you know, river, ribbon or, you know, fast flowing ribbon or river of air is much milder temperatures. And that's the normal state. Now, sometimes the polar vortex can get disrupted or weakens and it takes on different forms. Um, the one that's been most studied and is best well known is called the, these sun stratospheric warmings because the, the, a lot of warm air rushes in to the Arctic towards the North Pole kind of dis- you know very uh, strongly disrupts the circulation of the around the polar vortex polar vortex itself can either get you know kind of bodily moved off the north pole uh, pretty you know southward into the mid latitudes even and um, either it could stay together as one piece or it could in the even the most in the most um, extreme examples it will split into two two different polar vortices called daughter vortices even sometimes into three, but those tend to be very short-lived. Um, uh, you know, so that's, a, and, and, and those are the best well-known, and they happen once every two years about. Uh, but what I've, I've been really focusing on the research is these really less understood and appreciated, not really discussed in the literature, and I don't think really discussed too much by meteorologists is this, what I like to call stretch polar vortex is that, you know, people use different terms in the literature and it's probably too technical to why I like to call it stretch, <laughs> but visually, I mean, the polar vortex really stretches out like, you know, filament. Uh, so again, like if you pull taffy apart, um, take on that kind of configuration. And if you, th- if you think about it, the polar vortex is typically has a circular, you know, circulation It's keeping the cold air, uh, you know, that, so on the northern peripheries where the, is like kind of the the cold air only gets towards the northern periphery of that circulation. But if you pull it further and further apart and, the, you know, and the kind of the polar vortex is extending further and further south, that leaves, you know, the, so the, the cold air with inside of it can move to more southerly latitudes. And, you know, so certainly can get into the, you, you know, where let's say the really extreme cold is in, the, is in typically in Canada, it can now make it into the U.S., so my most recent paper that, you know, first author on was the winter of 2013-14. Because that was the first time the media used the term polar vortex. Yeah, yeah. There's still a lot of confusion because there were not. So when you talk about the polar vortex, you talk, you typically, and you know, like a, the polar vortex bringing severe winter weather. is mostly associated with these very extreme disruption of the polar vortex, like where it splits or gets 
displaced to a you know much further uh, much further south. Um, but what happened that winter, uh, and really I don't think anybody really appreciated or understood it was it was just stretching. There were none of these big breakdowns again that talks about the sun stratosphere warming, and I you know could talk about what exactly technical you know def- how it's defined, but sure. it gets a little sure. technical. Um, but none of, the, none of those occurred in the winter. So it was a very confusing, but I, so I talk about it. The, the winter was very interesting. It was very severe. It was, you know, the past, I think, 20 years, certainly the most severe winter in North America. And Depending on where you are, Atlantic City, you know, it was it was last January. We were uh, we, we were getting it. But <laughs> well, yeah, February I, I, was I, probably I pretty it was probably pretty cold in February 2014. It, it, it was. And I, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yeah, what we're going to do is. We're, we're going to take a break here. And then on the other side of it, we're going to talk more about the polar vortex with Dr. Judah Cohen. And we're going to talk about the actual winter forecast that we will see here in New Jersey as we go into our winter. You're listening to the Something in the Air podcast. We are back with the Something in the Air podcast. We are here with Director of Seasonal Forecasting at AER in Massachusetts, Dr. Julia Cohen. It is our annual winter weather preview. First half, we talked a lot about the polar vortex in last winter. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this forecast here. Um, So this winter, um, let's talk about a couple of factors that are going into the forecast. And I want to start off with La Nina here. That's the waters off the equatorial Pacific Ocean. In other words, off the coast of Peru. They're going to be below average, cooler than average for the third consecutive winter. Now, that's unusual. That, In fact, that's downright rare here. So how does that factor into your forecasting, if we can just talk about the La Nina specifically? Yeah, so uh, definitely a factor in, in our forecast as well. Um, I mean, I don't know, you know, the, the third time it had, you know, third in a row. I mean, I, I, I was looking the only time I, I saw that it's happened before is 74 through 76. Uh, you know, not, not a, uh, very memorable stretch of winters on these coasts, but, um, I, I don't, I don't know what, you know, what third time means, uh, you know, why we expect the third to be different from the second or the first, but, and I, it looks like to me, Noah's going with a straight up you know, kind of La Nina, just classical pattern. Yeah. And, 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 and Judah, if I may real quick, just to talk about the NOAA forecast before we hop back into what you have to say, um, they're going with, they're leaning for a warmer than average winter and really equal chances of it being drier or wetter here. So no real strong signal from NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, I know. I, you know, look, that's, that's, um, you know, they, they, you know, they, I, I don't think they <laughs> hide the fact that they really strongly rely on the ENSO signal, you know, Southern Oscillation, this being the cold phase of that oscillation. So La Nina, um, you know, it's a factor. I mean, it definitely favors colder to the Northwest, milder to the South and East across North America. Um, you know, uh, you know, I would guess we kind of saw that. Uh, you know, the past, you know, the, I mean, the past two winters that have been La Nina, uh, 
you know, the, I think the cold has been more focused to our West. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would, I would, so I'm not going to disagree, you know, argue that La Nina didn't play a role there. You know, I, I think that it really, the polar vortex determines whether we, the U.S. has a cold or mild winter and then kind of La Nina uh, kind of focuses the region. So if you have a weaker polar vortex, we have a colder winter. If it's La Nina, maybe that cold is further west. If you have a weaker you know, polar vortex, a cold winter, and now you have an El Nino, you tend to, the colder air gets shifted further east. So, um, you know, like a really classical winter where we had a weak polar vortex and uh, uh, El Nino was 2009, 10. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, we're not having an El Nino. And I don't right. Know, right. No El Nino for us here. And then, and then let's talk about the polar vortex again. Um, you're real big about the polar vortex stretching or elongating as we go into the winter. In fact, if I can get the internet to uh, work for me very quickly, I'm going to read your last tweet that you had. That was on, uh, well, today, October 20th. Not much is going on in the near term that has me excited about the weather other than this morning's polar vortex animation that is suggestive of another stretched polar vortex that could bring colder weather to eastern North America in winter. So I know I used the word could in there, not yeah, would, yeah, but, but let's talk about the polar vortex and what you think is going to happen as we go into the winter. Yeah, so um, La Nina, again, this is not... Um, very strong relationship, but La Nina is thought to support or favor a stronger polar vortex. So we have that. There's another tropical oscillation called the QBO, quasi-binary oscillation. You know, we don't need to get technical, but that isn't, you know, it's also a westerly and easterly phase, uh, or stronger, weaker, and it's in the kind of the stronger phase westerly. So that's thought to think also to uh, favor a stronger polar vortex. So they're you know, in the background, in the environment. There seems to be, uh, you know, a, a major breakdown, a really more extreme breakdown. Uh, you know, the, the predictors that, that I'm looking at, everybody else is looking at, you know, tend, tend to favor maybe a stronger polar vortex. So I think if we get, you know, meaningful winter weather, it's at least early on in the winter, I think it's more likely to come from a stretch polar vortex. Uh, it's certainly, you know, it's been stretching. <laughs> it's been very early. We had a very early... Um, and, 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 you know, very high, you know, amplitude, extreme example of it already, you know, where places are having the earliest snow and record, you know, early record cold. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, if we had that type of event, you know, in Jan January, I mean, it would definitely be, be, uh, you know, making headlines, uh, and it would be causing problems, but, you know, so I, I think, you know, I, so that's what I'm looking for, uh, I think if we're going to get, you know, at least in the, let's say the first half of the winter, I think if we're going to get impactful winter weather is going to come from a stretch polar vortex, then let's say, um, uh, then, you know, extreme, you know, one of those more extreme breakdowns of the polar vortex. Got the it. last time that happened was, in, you know, 20, uh, January, 2021. Um, and I think as we get later, maybe into February, I think that there's a higher chance, maybe of a of a polar, you know, a more extreme polar vortex breakdown. But that's getting you know way ahead of myself. Uh, overall, I, I you know, I see no reason 
you know, I'll say it and then the opposite will happen. I mean, you know, the trend is your friend. I like, you know, certainly believe in that. So, I mean, the, this milder start to the winter, I don't, uh, I'm not seeing any signs to, you know, buck that trend. I mean, but things can, you know, especially with these stretch pull the vortices, I mean, things can change pretty quickly. I, you know, it's not a, a very long term, uh, long horizon in, in trying to anticipating the more extreme events. I think, you know, we could, well, I'm trying, I'm pushing the envelope on this, but, you know, I think, trying That's to, your job. you know, maybe see it a month out or something, you know, they, they, they take much longer to happen. Right. right. So, uh, I mean, there's no sign, <laughs> absolutely no sign. I mean, first of all, they tend not to happen until January anyway, but, um, right, right now, I mean, the, the, you know, the circulation of the atmosphere is just really not favorable for a big breakdown. Um, I mean, it's not really favorable for any kind of disruption of the polar vortex. Uh, so I'm curious why the GFS is even showing kind of suggestive of the stretching. But the thing to look at, so it's October 20th, but uh, the thing to look for, if we can get some Greenland blocking. Uh, again, the pattern, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's an energy shortage worldwide and you know, people are wishing for different things and I don't, make, I don't mean to make it hard for anybody not wishing for that. But Greenland blocking is one of the precursors that we found for these polar vortex stretching. Uh, so, you know, the, model, the, the models are kind of suggesting it could happen. So that's the first thing I'd be looking, you know, again, I don't know how technical you want me to get or get into the weeds here, you know. For the, oh, well, we'll keep it nice and easy for everyone. Yeah, so high priority, you know, I guess. So I'm looking for like early signs of maybe these polar vortex stretching. So one, one, one early sign would be what we call in, you know, in the business, uh, Greenland blocking, but that's high pressure over uh, right. Greenland. And, and what that does, it, you know, just to let everybody know, when you got that Greenland blocking, it helps to kind of clog up the lanes that coastal storms can travel on and, and can, if you get a storm, make it maybe a little more of a powerful and, and longer lasting storm, right. which yeah. could be snow. You know, we always got to battle with that rain snow line, whether it's here <laughs> in New Jersey or Judah is in Massachusetts, but it at least offers the opportunity if you're a snow lover for some bigger snows. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, the green, I mean, the green, green blocking, if, you know, for guys that are looking winter weather enthusiasts, you know, that people are looking for that green blocking. I'm looking at this is like a different, uh, uh, a, a, you know, kind of expectation from the green block. It would be kind of a uh, transitory phenomenon that, and, you know, kind of moves to the East. Uh, as it moves east, it, it can then trick, kick off one of these polar vortex. If it hangs out in Greenland, I don't think it actually <laughs> will stretch the polar vortex. But so that's where it starts and then, you know, kind of gets swept up with the dress stream and moves east. And as it moves east, that's when it can kick off like one of these stretched polar vortex events. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know why, you know, what, you know uh, what, what, why it starts at Greenland and then kind of moves away. But Right. Um, the world may never know. <laughs> so, but, you know, so i guess if you maybe just think that um you know the weather in general moves from west to east so right uh, it's got to get to towards scandinavia that, that's where the blocking is really key got it it's it there that's when uh you know the magic happens if you, you're like you're looking forward to a snowstorm or some cold weather gotcha uh, so we'll so we'll be on the lookout for that so it sounds like to me right we're talking about early winter november december Relative, you know, generally mild, though there is the potential for a 
intrusion of cold air briefly. Would that be fair to say? Is that yeah, what we're watching? I, I don't see any long duration cold. I mean, I feel pretty right. on that. Not going, but we could have a brief event. And then like last winter, once it started to get snowing, they can be, you know, kind of in a series, you know, a sequence. So, I mean, then, you know, then December could be a very different than what, what I certainly expected, you know, sitting here in October. Right. Again, it's very early for me, uh, for, our, for us when we put out a forecast. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so we're really pushing, you know, no, I mean, uh, now's a you know, very popular time to talk about the winter because Noah is putting out their forecast. But, right, uh, right. And, and then t- tell us about what you, what at least you can tell us about January, February, and March. Wow. Um, well, I mean, looking at my prediction, so the snow, I mean, I, we talked about the snow. I mean, it's, I think it'll come in, you know, a little bit above normal just because it had such a big start. Uh, but I mean, it is, you know, again, it is flatlined almost, you know, really uh, very anomalously. So almost unprecedented. That Siberian snow cover. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's yeah. supposed to, you know, it's the time of year is supposed to advance the, the quickest. Yeah. And it's doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, and the pattern is not, I mean, it'll, you know, it's going to move, but it's really, the pattern has not been, even still, it's not looking great. Um, so, you know, we'll see where that, is. but, but, but I do think there's even, you know, even though I really do focus on October, I think the snow cover can have an impact even later in the winter. Uh, I, you know, I don't really measure it and, and use it in the, in the forecast anymore, but I'll be watching for it. Got it. Uh, so, I mean, right now, I, it's, I mean, it certainly doesn't look to me like really favor, uh, you know, a big breakdown of the vortex and, right. you know, followed by, you know, the long duration cold. I, I just don't, don't see it right now. Uh, so it looks like for the winter down in whole, you're, you're anticipating it to be on the mild side. And it's you know, really going to see here October 20th. Yeah. Things are looking, you know, to favor a milder winter. Yeah. Right. Milder winter. And in terms of precipitation, whether it's rain or snow, do you have a lean on that? Well, um, and I think La Nina is actually a stronger forcing for the precipitation pattern than, you know, than even the polar vortex. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, we put in other predictors and I haven't run the model yet on that, but I mean, I don't expect it to look too different um, than, than what Noah put out, you know, maybe, maybe pretty dry. I mean, though what we have out there so far is looking pretty dry for these coasts. Right. But as you know, I haven't put all the predictors in. Let's see if it gets turns wetter. But right now, it's definitely leaning on the drier side. But again, if it's mild, I mean, uh, you know, I, it's hard. I guess you might say, well, last you know, Atlantic City. I don't know. I mean, did the winter come in overall mild in Atlantic City, and you still had all that snow? I mean, so you know, sometimes on these coasts, you know, you can get one or two big ones, and <laughs> and you're way above normal for the for the winter, even though it's mild. Right. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not ruling out. I just uh, you know, I mean, as, as I see it now, I mean, I, I think, you know, I don't see anything close to, or at least certainly for Atlantic City, anything to rival what happened last winter. But, you know, it's early and I certainly could be wrong. Got it. But, well, we're going to hope we're going to hope that your forecast, you know, is accurate, even though we both love our snow and our cold. <laughs> but uh, I think in short, you know, to, to recap, generally milder generally leaning drier but it's like hurricane season it only takes one big snowstorm for you to remember it as an active year so yeah. it's the same concept here and i, I, I will as a caveat my colleague at work one of my colleagues who works with me on the forecast says 
every winter I start, you know, the, the forecast starts out really mild. <laughs> and as it gets closer and closer to winter, it gets colder and colder. So right. That's yeah, it. Well, yeah. Have me back on, you know, right app post Thanksgiving. Let's see if I'm singing a different tune at that point. Well, well, we, we shall definitely see. Maybe we'll do a midwinter check-in with you. But Dr. Cohen, we do appreciate it. You can follow him at Judah47, Judah47 on Twitter. Uh, Judah, I do appreciate you being with us here on the Something in the Air podcast again this year. Oh, yeah. It was a pleasure. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll have me back next year, too. I, I Well, we'll see how the forecast goes. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll definitely have you back on. Forecast. I know how it is. It's, a t- it's tough. It, it's tough, dog, but, dog, even in the, when it comes to weather forecasting. Right? Yeah, it, it, it's it's tough, but I always enjoy speaking with you, and I appreciate all the help you've given me over the past couple of years. So, really, it's fantastic to have you on. I know it's, it's great. great it's always a lot of fun, and uh, yep, awesome. I hope awesome. As long as you'll have me, I'll, I'll, I'll be here. So, yep, nope, no doubt. And and we'll be back with you guys um, on November second. That's going to be our next something in the air podcast. Uh, we're going to recap the month of October with Dr. Dave Robinson, someone Judah Cohen knows as well. And then uh, we'll have more episodes for you, of course, as we round out throughout the year. Thanks for listening to the Something in the Air podcast.